The nation's largest fuel pipeline halted operations after a ransomware attack. But what does this suggest about the state of critical infrastructure security at large? Stick around. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Today in Tech. I'm Juliette Beauchamp, and I am here with Mark Weatherford, the CISO at Alert Enterprise and Chief Strategy Officer at the National Cybersecurity Center. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Julia, and thanks for having me. So first off, I know we're a couple days into this um, pipeline shutdown, but can you just give us a brief overview of the ransomware attack itself and how attackers were able to gain entry to Colonial Pipeline, that's the fuel pipelines, um, networks? Well, I, we don't really know yet. I mean, the, so according to a brief yesterday by CISA, the DHS Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, they said they do not currently know the original intrusion vector for the colonial compromise. Um, but they also said that the intrusion solely impacted the business network and the shutdown of the operational network was taken out of an abundance of caution while the investigation was underway. So I think, you know, what we know first off is that, you know, they've, they've engaged with FireEye to come in and investigate and do forensics. So, It'll probably be a while before anything is publicly shared. Um, and I read also yesterday, you know, the federal government offered to help, but Colonial declined and said they kind of had everything underway with FireEye. Um, you know, so taking th the systems offline, was that appropriate or not? You know, I think it was. You have to be um, overly cautious here because when you start talking about OT systems, you're talking about physical systems and things that break and go boom. Mm -hmm. So even though the, it was a business network and, uh, you know, uh, uh, apparently not the control system, yeah, until you kind of more completely understand this thing, you just can't be sure that the compromise didn't jump the segmentation gap between the, um, the IT and the OT systems. And as I said, you know, the OT systems are what control the physical distribution of that oil and gas and diesel and jet fuel, you know, going down the pipe. So criminal manipulation of those systems could result in, you know, real world security, physical security problems like, you know, over pressurization of the of the pipes, you know, misrouting of the the fuel to someplace where it shouldn't go or or even just, you know, unplanned release of those products, you know, when and where they shouldn't be released. So I suspect that that, you know, that was the main reason, but probably one of the other reasons is that the business network, the IT network is actually where they manage the business. So I right. suspect that they lost the ability to actually figure out how to build their customers, how to figure out who's getting what and how much. So they did what any prudent business would do. And, you know, they hit the pause button until they can figure out how to deliver the product, and then how to build our customers for that. It's interesting to me, just from my understanding of critical infrastructure security, and I know it's it's talked about a lot, at least in um, <clears throat> my conversations with security experts, infrastructure security is concerning because it kind of feels especially dystopian and sci-fi. And my understanding of critical infrastructure security was something that critical, you know, colonial pipeline, for example, but any other number of um, critical infrastructure sure. companies, power grids, 
water, what have you, it seems like IoT devices can be especially um, vulnerable. And it's interesting to me, I guess, that they sort of entered through the, the business network and not like a random sensor in somewhere in the country. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's actually how most of these events kind of transpire is, right. you know, they get in via malicious email, via somebody clicking on a link that, that compromises a system that, that, you know, may, may not have been patched. Right. And then, you know, once they, once they get that foothold, then they typically can go anywhere. And, and that's, again, that's probably why one of the reasons why colonials shut down everything, because they didn't know if, if the bad guys, even if they may have, you know, compromised the, the IT network, did they actually get a toehold into an OT network somewhere that they weren't aware of? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit now just about the fallout and what, where we kind of go from here. I think what's kind of interesting, but also concerning is that this cyber attack was carried out by Darkside, which is a Euro an Eastern European um, cyber criminal group. And it feels like I mentioned a little bit sci-fi that a foreign, uh, a foreign group can, I mean, easily or perhaps not easily hack into something as critical as an, a fuel pipeline that uh, distributes or delivers around, you know, 45% of the fuel to the Eastern seaboard. And I'm kind of wondering what does this, what does this say about the, about critical infrastructure security at large? And I'm also intrigued about the national security concern here. Yeah, well, and you should be, um, you know, I, I would say first off, <clears throat> you know, this is not a new threat. This is something we've been talking about and warning about for years. It was reported several years ago that foreign governments have already compromised our electricity and our, our oil and gas infrastructure. Unfortunately, and you know, I, I hate to bash on somebody, but government leadership in the White House and the legislature have just been dawdling along, calling every new incident a wake-up call or an unprecedented security breach. I mean, just yesterday, um, Energy Sec Secretary Granholm called the attack a reminder that we need to take a hard look at our infrastructure. And, you know, my response to that is, no, we don't need any more reminders. Right. We need action. We've been reminded. Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote an article in Governing Magazine about this last month where I said, we don't need any more wake-up calls. We've had, you know, if we're not awake after dozens of these major, major cybersecurity incidents, you know, we never will be. So, you know, this this lack of federal leadership puts organizations like CISA in a really tough spot because they're constantly reacting to these things without any kind of national policy on cybersecurity. And, you know, the folks at CISA, I guarantee you today, they're working their hearts out, but they can only do so much without leadership that actually takes cybersecurity seriously. And, you know, I think in our quest to automate everything and create more efficiency, in our critical infrastructures, we've deployed technologies without really taking the time to ensure that they're appropriately protected. You know, I was in, I was, this happened to be in Pensacola, Florida last weekend, just two days ago, three days ago. And I stopped at four different gas stations to fill up my rental car with gas on the way to the airport. All four gas stations were empty, no gas. This was just less than 72 hours from the colonial incident. And, you know, panic buying had already begun. 
Um, and it, when I went to the first one, I thought, well, this is odd gas station being out. When, by the time I hit the third one, I started putting the, the, the pieces together. I'm like, holy cow, this is, this is already having a national kind of, you know, uh, supply chain impact. And, you know, I don't even like talking about some of these vulnerable infrastructures. You know, you talked about, you know, we, we, we we're very aware of oil and gas and electricity, but what about telecommunications? What about healthcare? You know, there's a lot of other, there's 16 national critical infrastructures and every one of these can be impacted by it. You know, and, and, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to talk about it because it sounds like FUD and you can get people stirred up. But, you know, if you think about this, if a simple ransomware attack by a criminal group, not even a nation state actor can have this kind of supply chain impact, the answer is yes, we have a national security concern. What would happen to the financial markets if someone created enough misinformation that the stock market became untrustworthy? Um, you know, the supply chain implications of, the, of this tax are really a big deal. Even, even the oil producers, you know, the people that, were, that, are, that are pumping oil to get in the pipe, they had to shut down because they didn't have any place to put the oil, to store the oil. So, you know, these ripple effects throughout the, the economy are really, really important. And, and speaking of, of electricity, about 40% of the nation's electricity is generated by natural gas. So there's a rare, very real possibility that the power grid could have been affected by this, you know, if we couldn't get, you know, gas to where it needed to be. So, you know, I don't mean to sound like the boogeyman, but these kind are the kinds of things that we worry about in, in this cybersecurity business. Absolutely. I think I it's interesting what you said about, you know, every time this happens, uh, people saying, oh, wow, this is a really important reminder or this is, you know, we really need to start paying attention to this. But it doesn't seem, at least from what you've said, that there's been a lot of action. So I'm curious, what kind of action would you like to see from either the government or perhaps in um, conjunction with critical infrastructure companies? Sure. Well, I think there's a lot of things, you know, first off, and, and so I'll give the government a little bit of credit, you know, this, uh, this uh, cyberspace solarium commission last year did a really good report and made some very good recommendations that Congress actually acted on this year. Um, <clears throat> and so some of these things are finding their way into legislation and law now, but, you know, one thing that's that you know that's very disconcerting, I think, to a lot of people. You know, we have a a two trillion dollar critical infrastructure bill that you know that that the presidents pushed, but there's very little money in that two trillion dollars for cybersecurity. So that's what we need to be doing. We need to start. We need to be thinking about how we can be investing in these critical infrastructures. Um, that that really need this kind of security. Um, um, uh, uh, they need this kind of security attention that they haven't had, you know, up till this point. So, in your view, was this event kind of a one-off, or is this going to be part of our new reality if there are, you know, bold sweeping cybersecurity measures taken? Yeah, again, I hate sounding like the boogeyman, but this is the new reality, you know, until, and, and, and this is where I've been, telling, is, 
Until nations around the globe say enough is enough and begin working together to stop these kinds of groups from operating so indiscriminately, these things are going to continue. You know, and, and while the finger is not pointing directly at Russia for the colonial event, it's believed that the criminals are operating out, out of Russia with a pretty free hand. And, and, you know, as long as they don't target Eastern European countries or companies, you know, Russia kind of lets them have a free hand in this. So that should be considered unacceptable. And, you know, imagine the global howls if a Western company like the United States were, you know, allowed this kind of criminal activity to occur here. And, you know, while, you know, at least Russia and China, they kind of pretend to know where the red lines exist, you know, even if they cross them sometimes. But the, the, the question always in the back of my mind is, do we think that North Korea, Iran, or a cyber terrorist organization with absolutely no concern about kicking the daylights out of civilization would exercise any discretion if they, if they thought they could pull something like this off? Probably not. Got it. So I guess my next question is kind of where do we go from here? Colonial Pipeline says that they're expecting to have at least some systems restored by the end of the week. This is very much an evolving situation. So, you know, <laughs> at, at, at the time of recording, that's the expected timeline. So what is the long term fallout here? And even if Colonial Pipeline returns to business as usual, what should it and also other critical infrastructure companies be considering in their security strategies? Yeah, well, this is probably not the answer you would expect, but I think the long-term fallout is simply more distrust. You know, we've gone through nationally, we've gone through this really period of time where people distrust everything. They distrust everyone and everything. So I think, you know, the fallout is, more distrust that the government can actually regulate critical infrastructure effectively enough to keep society safe. And secondly, more distrust of private critical infrastructure companies that they're actually taking security seriously. There's been, there's been this convergence of IT, OT, and physical security over the past decade or so, which, which is proper. I mean, it has to happen because there's so many efficiencies and cost savings um, that can be gained from this convergence. But however, you know, implementing these security controls um, between these different disciplines of security is more than just segmenting them off. We need more and better visibility. And this is technology. We need more and better visibility of networks, systems, and protocols to actually understand when bad guys are trying to do bad things. And we don't have that visibility deployed as broadly as we could today. And, you know, I think, you know, that's maybe that's somewhere where that the two, two trillion from the American Rescue Plan, you know, should be going to critical infrastructure to actually redirect to address these kind of problems. So I guess leaning on your experience as a, the chief strategy officer at the National Cybersecurity Center, what do you have any sort of like concrete steps or concrete examples of what companies like Colonial Pi Pipeline or other, you know, water, electric, like you said, healthcare companies can do to make sure that they're on alert? Because it really seems like, as with many things in cybersecurity, you're never going to be fully protected and you also want to stay 
very alert to the threats to your enterprise, to your company, yeah. and to also just to, you know, the, the, the common person. Because when you have a fuel pipeline, for example, you mentioned in Florida, it was difficult to get gas. I know around um, the East Coast, we are a little bit spared here in Massachusetts, but gas prices are rising. There's a shortage. And this is, this was all, ha- this is all happening so quickly. So what are some concrete steps that you think that not necessarily colonial pipeline, but certainly they're included, obviously, in the in the larger in the larger group of critical infrastructure. Yeah, well, I think you know some some just fundamentals, you know, and there there are a number of things, but you know, without sounding like a broken record, I think um, you know companies need to have good backups, um, and you know that's the first thing everyone will tell you is have good backups, but having good backups is really really important, but you know, but but making sure that your systems are patched and kept up to date um, can go a long way to keep those the 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 criminals from actually getting in in the first place. And probably most important and, and the easiest thing is to constantly, constantly, constantly train your your employees about being aware. You know, people are the number one vector always the number one vector for how these these kind of incidents start i think we'll find out that at some we will find this out as as this colonial thing evolves that you know it was probably an employee somewhere that downloaded a file or clicked on a link or did something you know that they shouldn't have done which is what allowed you know dark uh, the, the the dark side folks to or the dark side affiliates to get their toehold in there um, you know, so th- I think that's what what companies need to be thinking about. What I what I think the government needs to be thinking about is today the electricity industry is the only critical infrastructure sector in America that has mandatory cybersecurity standards, and you know we cannot continue this whack a mole approach. Yeah, I just saw I read a piece this morning that said FERC was recommending mandatory standards for the pipeline industry. You know, that's that's a typical government knee-jerk response. What about the other critical infrastructure? N- you know, nobody likes regulations, but when the safety and security of society are at stake, we si- simply can't leave it to private companies to make the right decision about investing in security. So we need to have a, a more holistic government response for, you know, mandatory cybersecurity standards for those critical infrastructures, you know, that society depends on. Sure. I've got one more question for you that I just thought of. It just is dealing a little bit with ransomware because it's, I mean, it's cyber, certainly cyber attacks are sort of the the more interesting and attention grabby um, kind of security (laughs) news. But my question, I I know general guidance, especially from the FBI is, you know, never negotiate with ransomware criminals. And it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Colonial Pipeline has brought in an outside group. What is your impression of how this is going to like all go away? Go well, away. so we don't know that, we don't know if they paid the ransom or not. Right. Um, um, and, you know, I, I have always had a problem when people say, never pay the ransom, you know, you're just encouraging bad behavior. And I think on the surface, we would all agree with that. But I can tell you, you know, if you're a hospital and you've been ransomware, 
you know, and, and you can't access any patient files and you've got to start moving patients to other hospitals, you know, you're going to consider paying a ransom or, um, you know, or if you're in the e-commerce business and you're losing tens of millions of dollars a day in transaction, you're going to consider a, a, um, a paying a ransom. And so, you know, these, these ransom, these guys are very sophisticated. It's not like it was 10 years ago. You know, they typically research who and how much uh, a CEO or who in the organization is allowed discretionary spending authority without having to go to the board. And that's how they figure out how much ransomware the ransom is going to be. So, you know, this is, it's not, cybersecurity is hard. This ain't making cupcakes, you know, and the, the, the threat environment changes every single day. And, you know, this, we've got to get our arms around this ransomware thing. And this is, it, it's going to require a, a global approach to addressing these things. You know, the United States can't do it alone. Um, you know, if other if other countries are going to continue to allow this this activity to happen, it's not going to do us any good to try to fight this global you know threat uh, by ourselves. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I think this is some really valuable insight about not only the state of the specific cyber attack, but also just about the landscape at large. Which it seems like, to sum up your points, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Yes, sir. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling in and chatting with me. And thank Thanks, you all. Julia. And thank you all so much for watching this episode today in tech. If you liked this video, please do give it a thumbs up. And if you haven't subscribed yet to our channel, hit the subscribe button in the lower corner and hit the bell icon so you're notified every single time we post a new video. If you have any questions or comments surrounding this cyber attack, I'd really like to hear what your thoughts are. So please leave them in the comments below. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.